into the contest. It's Monday the 19th of July. Welcome to our Afternoon Sport Deep Dive. I'm Tim Gilbert and what I look forward to on a daily basis Monday to Friday is asking Shane Lee what he cooked. Shane, <laughs> am I getting boring? But what have you cooked? <laughs> mate, all, all things French on the weekend, mate. I did a little steak fritz uh, with duck fat potatoes, mate. Sensational. Goes very, very well with a, uh, with a nice Chablis. Um, but yeah, beautiful. Mm, steak fritz, beautiful. Well, that's quite appropriate, isn't it? Because Pogacar yes. has just won the yellow jersey down the... Uh, he obviously didn't win that final stage down the Champs-Élysées, but he'd done it all before. So well done to him. And we will break all of that down with the wonderful Phil Liggett, the voice of cycling. And he'll be joining us on the show tomorrow. We do have the State of Origin jersey up for grabs. Of course, the trophy is heading home to New South Wales. Follow us on our Facebook page or our Twitter page. That is Afternoon Sport. And you could win the State of Origin signed jersey by New South Wales. On the show today, we have one of the great sports journalists in Australia, Jim Tucker, to cover off the Wallabies. Also talk about the Olympics. And two-time Premiership player for North Melbourne, Corey McKernan, looks at a wild weekend in the AFL. Now, Shane, uh, you sent me a message yesterday afternoon. Uh, you, you noted something in the Warriors-Penrith game. Kane Evans, who was 18th man for the Warriors, like, he didn't get on because, uh, you know, you need certain things to happen, guys to go off, you know, a certain amount of things need to conspire before you can use an 18th man. But he had something written on his wrist, which is going to get him into trouble. He did, mate. He had a four-letter word starting with C and ending in T. And I just hope that he's – he should just tell him he's sponsored by the Commonwealth Bank and it was can't. <laughs> <laughs> Why would you put that on your wrist? I don't get it. Has he, has he got to think about his opposition? Is he talking to himself? Well, I don't, I don't know. I don't get it, mate, but uh, it's going to cost him some money. Particularly if you don't get on. You don't even get on. That's You're right. saying fold some <laughs> – so-and-so, you don't even get on, and now you're going to cop a fine. That, that's unfortunate. Yeah. Also, look, the Olympic Games, I cannot wait to watch. I know a lot of been talk about COVID, blah, 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 and obviously it's right in the middle of it, but I think once we see the opening ceremony and the, the competition begin, it will be flooded by the medals and that discussion. But what about this Ugandan athlete, Shane? He, he's got to Japan. Everyone's talking about COVID, but as soon as he's got there, he's bolted. He's running. I don't know where he's going to hide in Japan, mate. He might stick out at the local sushi joint, I think. Uh-huh. But, uh, yeah, um, you can only imagine what atrocities um, they're coming from in Uganda. So maybe it's his chance for, for a better life. You, you can't blame him, really. But, um, yeah, he even said for his teammates, um, take my uh, luggage back to my, my wife and kids. So it's a bit of a sad story there, but... You don't realise how good it can be sometimes, particularly where we live here in Australia. Yeah, we've seen quite a bit of that over the course of time at Olympic Games. When countries come to, you know, the Western world, they decide, well, I want to live here. And um, you can't question them for that. But, uh, yeah, he's going to be hard not to find, I would think, a a Ugandan athlete in Tokyo. Of course, the opening ceremony starts on Friday. Afternoon sport coming up next. A wild old weekend in AFL. Players unavailable, officials not being able to go to games, COVID getting in the middle of it, and some brilliant stuff on the field. Corey McKernan, two-time Premiership player, is next. singing the red and the white song the swans charge back into that game against the gws giants uh, uh, so much drama before the game uh, Corey mckernan two-time premiership player with north melbourne i tell you what the swans when they click they look good yeah but i think as you mentioned i think 
yeah, one of the biggest stories was just really how uh, the Swans, were, and well, I suppose both teams, but in particular the Swans had lost a number of their staff and then they were scrambling mm. together to to find some players. I think in the end, boys, if you had been there, you might have nearly got a game. <laughs> yeah. Only at full forward, I told you that's a story, mate. But that puts the Swans now into um, equal fifth um, on the ladder. Uh, the team that uh, got away with a draw on the weekend was um, was Melbourne 79, Hawks 79. But it puts Melbourne uh, clear by two points on top of the ladder. Yeah, it was a bit of a, uh, a missed opportunity, I suppose, for Melbourne. But mm. I don't know. We'd, all, we'd always really mention this that Melbourne were going to – I mean, given they got off to such a, a great start to the year – it was always going to be interesting this little patch before we saw the we start to see the you know I mean the or smell in in Melbourne or wherever they're going to be you know I mean the springtime and close to the final so yeah. it it was really going to be that real you know I mean sort of that that second third of the season before you get to the finals was always going to be a struggle point for them. And, and that's sort of happening a little bit with mm. them at the moment. What about Richmond? They, they managed a, a very good win, a gritty win against a, a tough Brisbane team, but it came at a, an enormous cost because uh, Dustin Martin, he looks out for the season. Yeah, well, as you mentioned, Dusty's out for the season. But it, it, look, going into those sorts of games, it's never really surprising when you when you've got a lot of triple premiership players in that team. You, you're very – I know that everyone had written the obituary on the Richmond Football Club, but look, given it was Jack Rewald's 300th game and he came out, kicked six goals, what more could you ask in your 300th game? Yeah, big time. A team that's sort of been uh, going okay in recent times is St Kilda, but another team that is sort of really sneaking under the radar a bit, it's Port Adelaide um, with a really good win over St Kilda, 74-61. to 61. Yeah, Port have really, uh, I know they don't like the term, but they're, they're a bit of a flat-track bully at the moment. They uh, mm-hmm. they can beat all the teams below them, um, but they haven't been able to beat all, any of the teams in, in the top eight. And yep. Look, conversely, St Kilda, it was a bit of a missed opportunity, not missed opportunity, but they... If they if they really want to take part in the, in in September, they really need to get a big scalp, and and it was a missed opportunity for them on the weekend, not being able to get across the line against Port. Yeah, we've got an Essendon supporter in the house. I don't know how that happened, but it might have been all through the drama because everyone was talking about Essendon a few years ago. But uh, look, they are a good young footy team, and they're now in the eight themselves. Yeah, they only uh, just got across the line against the Kangaroos. Like, look, the Kangaroos came back from Perth. They only. Let's not forget, North, North Melbourne played foot, football in Perth on Monday night, flew back to Melbourne. Then, uh, with all the COVID issues, flew up and were playing football on the Gold Coast at Sunday lunchtime. So, they were always going to be up against it. Look, they're, if they keep winning, they, I mean, they, they really should uh, take their chance and, and really try and play finals this year. Now, Corey, with all the AFL you've been watching, have you had any time to watch the British Open? Yeah, I did manage to sneak a few hours in, even though it's at uh, ungodly hours. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, Colin Morikawa, he was he was fantastic. Now he's now in his eight uh, major tournament starts. He's already halfway to a career Grand Slam. So Jeez. it's uh, it's it's fair to say. I mean, and finishing with a, a bogey free, I think uh, four under sixty six. And as as I mentioned, he's won both his majors in his debut in that major. So he won the US PGA <laughs> last year. Uh, during the pandemic. And then, uh, look, the other thing that was great, seeing the British Open, they had 32,000 people at the British Open, so it was fantastic to see crowds back there as well. 
Oh, yeah, and he was steely, wasn't he, Morikawa? I watched him finish the back nine and with a string of birdies. He's an extraordinary golfer, and they actually liken his swing to Ben Hogan. Yeah, look, he's he's got that steely resolve, and it's going to be interesting to see where it all goes. Um, you know, I mean, I, I haven't really seen him perform at Augusta uh, just yet, but look, when you're already halfway to a career Grand Slam in your first eight starts, it's not a bad start to, <laughs> way to start your golf career, I would have thought. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Corey, uh, yeah, this is coming from someone who's lucky to get it off the tee. I want to talk personally. But, uh, yeah, it was great. Great to see the crowds. Royal St. George is just a beautiful, beautiful golf course there in Kent and uh, bright sunshine in the United Kingdom. So well done to Colin Morikawa, Cameron Smith, the best of the Aussies at two under the card. We'll chat real soon. No worries, boys. Coming up next, we're going to have a chat with one of Australia's best sports journalists. A good win for the Wallabies on the weekend. Jim Tucker is here. Rugby, it's a game they play in heaven. Look out for our podcast, The Running Game, where Matt Dunning joins me, Tim Gilbert. Each week, we speak to players, coaches and legends of the game. We look at the game from every angle at all levels, from test rugby, the club game, city to country and the way it's played at school. The Running Game. Come find us on your podcast app. All right, it's always a pleasure to talk to one of Australia's most senior and best sports journalists. Of course, he's a freelancer these days, writes for rugby.com.au. Jim Tucker, you live in the freeland as well. You live in Queensland. How are you, Jimmy? Fantastic, mate. One one morning you can just wake up and you can see two NRL games or go and see a bonus AFL match. Uh, it's quite remarkable at the moment. Jimmy, um, well, we watched a great... Um a rugby union match last night. Uh, fantastic to see, see us uh, knock the French off, mate. Under Rennie, I think it was probably one of their best performances. Oh, thoroughly. I think uh, fans want something to really connect to with a team. Mm. And you can do that with sort of great tries or, or victories. But this was one of great heart. And for a young side, I think fans really wanted to find a reason to love what Dave Rennie's building. Mm. And to play 75 minutes with a man down in a test match, you, you just don't win the test. That, it's as simple as that. Uh, mm. Swain, the young lock from Babinda in North Queensland via the Brumbies, he had a super game. Uh, Noah Lolasio, the young fly half, uh, nerveless, knocking over the final penalty goal. Of course, he missed one at the same ground when playing for the Brumbies earlier in the year and everyone was consoling him. So just that difference a few months make, and, and people are seeing something in this Wallaby side. Great heart and obviously Michael Hooper just uh, buzzing around the field like normal. Oh, he was brilliant, wasn't he? He was absolutely everywhere right throughout the series. Now, Marike Corobete, like uh, the fact that he got sent off in the opening minutes on Saturday night was just was extraordinary. Look, at I know they're clamping down hard, but this was a pretty extreme reaction. Oh, completely. And uh, Dave Rennie, uh, he hasn't made too many outlandish comments in his short reign as Wallaby's coach, but he was really on the front foot. He said it was terribly milked. And the French captain, basically, he was accusing. Uh, I, I thought it was really quite clouded where Corabetti had actually hit uh, the French captain. I thought it was more uh, shoulder on shoulder. So uh, definitely mitigating circumstances. But uh, Rennie really got up the French for uh, flopping, essentially, uh, soccer style. And... Uh, the, the French captain's holding his face, basically, and there's no evidence on the visions of him being hit uh, around the nose area. 
and he's uh, flopped on the ground, milking with the referee and the TMO, and all of a sudden you have a guy red carded when even the most uh, penal situation might have been a yellow card or, or yeah. nothing at all. So crazy stuff. Jim, I've been we've been discussing on the show uh, Hooper. He now equals John Eels with fifty five times captaining the Wallabies. Um, he said at the start of the series he wanted to create a legacy. Um, do you think we're getting there? And do you think potentially or possibly we could take on the All Blacks very soon? Oh, the All Blacks. <laughs> Give us a chance to enjoy beating the French. <laughs> we're going to uh, the killing field. We're going to Eden Park in early August. That's the next test. What rugby in Australia has lacked has really been that big scalp. You, we won a trophy for beating the French, sure, and that's very satisfying. But there's a big thing that takes about 30 cans of beer, which is the Bledisloe Cup. And that just hasn't been here in the lifetime of some children. Like my son, my youngest boy is 18, and he has never been on earth when the Bledisloe Cup has been in Australia. I mean, it's quite amazing. So what that is as a holy grail is fantastic. Mm -hmm. And if if we were to win it at some point, um, that would just be sensational for so many in in rugby. But to get to your specific question, I think we're a deal a fair way off uh, beating the All Blacks just at the moment. Not saying we can't do it on a particular day. Mm-hmm. Uh, this year we've got two tests in New Zealand, one in Australia, so it can't be this year. We're not going to win at the yep. like this year, sadly. But mm. um, in in the halves, I think Tate McDermott, he's sort of that electrifying uh, young halfback we all gravitate to. Uh, James O'Connor might come back in some capacity in the Bledisloe to be a, a calm leader uh, mm-hmm. for the back line. Um, but, but where you have to measure up against the All Blacks most of all, and first of all, it's in the forwards. So there's some big performances. I mean, Lockie Swinton played really well. I think Taniella Tupo, everyone's got to talk about him because he, mm. he is just like a wrecking ball, uh, both sure in the is. scrum when he, when he gets to carry the ball and cart it into the opposition. So oh, he's someone yeah. the All Blacks definitely fear. Yeah, just finally, Jimmy, uh, casting your eyes over the Olympic Games, we've both had the opportunity to cover quite a few. Do you think that the, the, all the COVID talk will stop when we start competing and gold medals are handed out? Oh, for sure. I mean, the, the, the way uh, TV's framed, the, framed these times, uh, there'll be less uh, panning to wide crowd shots. They'll just focus <laughs> in on, the, on, on the, the true emotion of the competitors and, and that spirit, that um, undeniable champion qualities that there'll be – Absolutely brilliant stories, and there's so many people in lockdown in Australia. They'll be glued to the TV sets watching the Olympics, and there's going to be some great storylines uh, from the swimming pool, where you have Katie Ledecky being challenged by Ariane Titmus. Most of all, that, that's a race I'm thoroughly looking forward to. Jimmy, thanks for coming on the show, mate. You've been a fantastic sports journalist for for many years now, mate. Right back to when I was playing cricket, um, and you've you've always been a good bloke off the field too, mate. So thanks for your time. Mate, anytime, Shane. I really uh, enjoyed covering that era in Australian cricket and seeing you in full stride in India in that World Cup. Yeah, one, on of you, mate. one of the most memorable things, Jim, is when we signed those documents as functioning alcoholics in Pakistan so they would let us have a drink. <laughs> <laughs> I've still kept the document in case I've seen it every week. <laughs> oh, Jimmy, love you. Talk to you soon. See you, mate. Bye. That's it for Afternoon Sport today. Make sure you hit follow or subscribe wherever you listen. Big thank you today to Jim Tucker and to Corey McKernan. Thanks to Spartan Shano. www.spartansportshq.com And the great man, our wonderful producer, Mr Dan McHugh. We'll be back tomorrow with a daily dose of sport and we'll find out what Shane cooked overnight. We'll see you then, guys. Take care.